0: Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian book reviews contributors discuss major issues, or read their reviews and creative writing. My name's Georgina Arnott, and I'm Assistant Editor at ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version, or $60 for Print Plus Online.
1: Greetings, ABR podcast listeners. This is Peter Rose, editor of ABR, here to remind you about the 2023 ABR Elizabeth Jolly Short Story Prize. Now in its 13th year, and worth a total of $12,500, the Jolly Prize is for an original work of short fiction of between 2,000 and 5,000 words. Full details appear on our website, You have until April 24 to enter the Jolly, one of the world's leading prizes for a new short story. Good luck. The November 2022 midterm elections produced an outcome few had expected. Sometimes it seems that unpredictability in US elections is starting to become predictable. Just as a consensus was emerging that America was politically more divided than ever before, Americans, that is the 50% or so who bothered to vote in the midterms, elected centrist candidates in much greater numbers than was foreseen. In this week's ABR podcast, Timothy J. Lynch, Professor of American Politics at the University of Melbourne, who was in Wyoming throughout the campaign, tries to make sense of it all. Lynch sees some reason to be hopeful. He argues that what Americans demonstrated was a growing intolerance for ideologically driven conspiratorial politics. Professor Lynch's article, Enough Already, Post-Trump America Returns to the Center, appears
2: in the summer issue of ABR. Enough Already post-Trump America returns to the centre. The United States is entering an important phase. By this time next year, with most presidential candidates declared, we will know whether the Republic is post-Trump and returning to normalcy, or approaching peak Trump and moving towards some sort of civil discord. I predict the former. The midterm elections in November of 2022 revealed a nation grasping for the centre. The extremes of left and right did poorly. I expect this trend to continue through November of 2024. So, for centrists, some New Year reasons to be cheerful. Consider how both parties approached the recent elections. President Joe Biden claimed that not voting for his party was a threat to democracy. Trump-backed candidates suggested that not voting for their party posed the same threat. Neither message carried the day. Biden's fringe, the squad of identity politicians in Congress, for example, saw their vote go backwards. The cadre of slightly unhinged Trumpist election deniers also tanked. Enough already, was the message relayed by voters in defiance of the polls, most of which had predicted a deepening of polarisation. There was no red wave, but no woke revival either. The usual pattern in off-year elections when the Congress is recast and some state houses change hands but there is no presidential election, is for the party holding the White House to take a shellacking. See the Democratic losses in 2010, two years into Obama's first term, or the GOP losses in 2018, two years into Trump's. November 2022 bucked that trend. Rather than revealing new ideological fault lines, it presaged a return to a more normal politics. The system is cleansing itself, as it has done recurrently across nearly two and a half centuries. Trump and woke have peaked. There are some good reasons to believe that the United States is moving away from conflict and returning to a more regular amity. This is not because America is uniquely good or exceptional. Rather, it is for want of something fundamental to divide on. In the absence of a large issue, muddling along and centrism are more likely to become default settings. Despite the histrionics of the extremes left and right, there is no big issue confronting the United States. I've spent the last six months in Wyoming, America's reddest state. No state has been more persuaded by Trump than this one. But even here, there is only a concern for the local. Who owns what land? Should carbon capture be state-funded? Is there a growing grizzly bear problem? Their rejection of Congresswoman Liz Cheney was partly because she opposed Trump. What annoyed my hosts was the perception that she cared more about her Washington interests than Wyoming's. For all their apparent fervour for Trump, Wyomingites rarely talk and act ideologically. And what is ideology without a big idea? America has been afflicted by big ideas before. The 1860s were about slavery. The dislocations of the 1960s were about Vietnam. What are the 2020s about? A stolen election? Fallout from the GFC, a label Australians invented and Americans have never heard of? Afghanistan? COVID-19? Ukraine? Climate change? Abortion? Inflation? The various disconnected crises of today and of the recent past are cause for gloom. They are not predictive of a gathering storm. Slavery was. It was an unavoidable, inevitable conflict. It has no contemporary analogue. There is no fault line, as in 1861. Where are the two sides concentrated? The midterms clarified no boundary. In 1861, there was a political border running between the warring states. One side was north, the Union. The other south, the Confederacy. Each had a capital, Washington versus Richmond, and a president, Abraham Lincoln versus Jefferson Davis. Each led armies of hundreds of thousands. The victory of the North over the South was clear and decisive, at least on the battlefield. Slavery was made unconstitutional, even if racism endured. There is no modern front line behind which two sides could stand. A war between cities, which lean blue, and countryside, which leans red, would create so many fronts as to be meaningless. Even the question of abortion has been solved, or at least made soluble. Dobbs versus Jackson in 2022 was not Dred Scott. Roe versus Wade in 1973 was. When the US Supreme Court ruled in 1857 that African-Americans had no rights which the white man was bound to respect, thus sanctioning the continued existence of slavery, They usurped democratic politics and set the nation on a path to civil war. In Roe v Wade, the Supreme Court initiated a culture war by taking the issue of abortion out of democratic hands. The recent overturning of Roe in Dobbs did not initiate a renewed culture war. It brought the preceding one to a close. Reproductive politics, as in Australia, have been returned to the states and to the people. Pro-choice Democrats mostly failed to exploit the issue for electoral gain. 43% of Democrats said it was the most important issue for them, but pro-life candidates for governor in Florida, Georgia, Ohio and Texas, for example, all won. Marriage equality, similarly, has been made subject to democratic legislation and removed from judicial fiat, Andrew Sullivan, one of the most reliable commentators on American politics, hailed the recently passed bipartisan Respect for Marriage Act as a sign of a reviving centre. Issues made huge by the judiciary attempting to resolve them, such as abortion and LGBTQ rights, have been made manageable by returning them to democratic politics. Americans seem to have had enough of both parties' ideologues, using the Supreme Court to pursue agendas that should be properly pursued by elected representatives. Rights will be more secure if and when they are put in the Constitution by Congress. Lincoln's novel idea at Gettysburg, government of the people, by the people, for the people, might yet live. It is true, as it was for Lincoln, that the United States today is divided politically, possibly more evenly than deeply. In 2020, Biden beat Trump by 81.3 million votes to 74.2 million. In last year's midterms, votes for House of Representative candidates were 50.7% Republican and 47.8% Democratic. This creates the illusion of two great opposing camps, a House dividing against itself. But despite the highest turnout since 1992, more than 33%, that's 80 million, of the population did not vote in 2020. Even fewer did last November. A majority, in fact, of 53%. This ambivalent, apathetic, disengaged, satisfied, label-them-how-you-like third to a half of voters decided the stakes were not high enough to pick a side. Even if we bemoan polarisation, it is harder to ignore the choice it makes possible. Unlike the recent Victorian elections, where Conservative voters were asked to swallow the Liberals' aping of Labour positions, American voters could preference one of two quite different platforms. As Australia becomes more like California, without a viable right-of-centre option, America remains politically diverse. Australia has no Florida. America does. The choice Americans have is not between woke Democrats and MAGA Republicans. It is increasingly a confected conflict between fringes that feed off each other, but that have dwindled in electoral appeal. The ideas of each fringe rest on such thin resumes. Both are historically myopic and intolerant of dissent, both police ideological heresy, but beyond their most extreme adherents, who would use violence to achieve their supremacy? What historian Richard Hofstadter called the paranoid style and anti-intellectualism of American politics has been around for centuries. Eccentric ideas ebb and flow across American history. The electorate, recurrently fascinated by them, as in the Trump era, is turning away. Contemporary woke versus MAGA disputes do not spell Civil War 2.0. The 1861-65 war was about fundamental issues. Ideological contention today is trivial. Elections are often controversial. The 2020 midterms were not, Trump's claims about 2020 are a Goebbels-style big lie. But challenging the legitimacy of elections is as old as the republic. Each side has a long history of crying theft. In 1824 and 1960, republicans did it. In 1876, 2000 and 2016, so did democrats. In 2020, Trump-republicans continued the pattern. In 1860, the presidential election led to the secession of of the Confederate states over the next five months. No state has come close to repeating this constitutional vandalism in the years since. Not even Wyoming, the Trumpiest of the 50. At all the college football games I have attended this season, in Laramie, I have seen fans weep with pride when the national anthem is played. Only conspiracy theorists take secession seriously. There were notably fewer conspiracy theories stemming from the midterms than from the 2020 presidential election. Even Trump's nuttiest candidates seem to have accepted their veracity and the fact that there was no electoral gain from dealing in denial. The greatest defender and enforcer of centrism is the US Constitution itself, and it holds. The genius of the American experiment is its written Constitution. All issues are fundamentally, ultimately, mediated by and through it. Rights not in the original Constitution now are. While both left and right have tried to undermine it, Trump by refusing to recognise electoral reality, Biden by enforcing vaccine mandates, all fail. On the 6th of January 2021, the police lines around Capitol Hill did not hold. The Constitution did. Trump left office sulking, but as per its terms. In questions of power, wrote Thomas Jefferson, let no more be heard of confidence in man, but bind him down by the chains of the Constitution. Trump wanders around Mar-a-Lago, like Marley's ghost, in those chains. Those of us old enough might argue that the 1960s and 1970s were worse than anything Trump has inspired, and the 1860s certainly were. The United States is today at peace abroad. It is Russia's turn to leak blood and treasure into a foreign battlefield. The opposite was true half a century ago the socio-cultural revolution that the Vietnam War ignited in America was greater than anything Trump has stoked. It is Europe that is at war today, not the United States. It is Europeans who are freezing this northern winter, while the United States approaches energy independence. Wyoming could provide it, the energy state. Has enormous reserves of coal, gas, uranium and wind. It is the European Union which has had states secede, not the United States. American leadership on both sides of the aisle is currently weak, but wait a while. Despite the president's age, a generational shift is underway. History reminds us not to underestimate America's capacity for transformation. James Buchanan, the worst president in history, was replaced by Abraham Lincoln, its greatest. Herbert Hoover was succeeded by Franklin Roosevelt. Jimmy Carter's Cold War malaise gave way to Ronald Reagan's Cold War victory. A war on terror gave us a mixed-race president with an African-Arab-Muslim heritage. Biden-Harris may well lose to a Ron DeSantis-Tim Scott ticket. America is elastic, its centrism profound. Its opponents, from Russia's Kremlin to China's Politburo, much less so. Don't count America out just yet.
0: Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review Podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.